Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Franchise pros, stand the man, Paul Segretto. Time to show you the way of franchising today. Hey, do you possess the spirit of an entrepreneur? Wanna lay your business plan down like a rug or a floor? Or maybe you have a dream of opening a chain of delis? Or whatever passion likes that pilot life under your belly? Or do you want to start a business, fam, using the proven trademark from another brand? Huh. And grow together and expand like a rage of fire From a single to a multi-unit empire Well pay attention to this podcast that you hear is streaming in HD to fine tune both your ears And Stan and Paul lays down the law Whether you want to be a franchisee or a franchisor It's all about sustainable growth The sensible franchising Proving concepts to start enterprises So use your left and right side of your brain And absorb this knowledge here of franchising today Franchising today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today. Franchise today. Franchise today. Hello, everyone in the franchise world. My name is Paul Segreto, and this is Franchise Today. Yes, we are back. Sans technology issues from last week, I hope, were we hope. bumped off the air. <laughs> Dan was flying solo. Our our Diddy at the beginning of the uh, uh, at the the beginning of the show kind of went awry. Hopefully, they're all behind us. Stan, how are you today? Doing great, Paul. Hopefully, you're right because if it could go wrong last week, it did. And uh, hey, maybe we've turned a corner, but uh, we're only two minutes in, so hold your breath. Hold your breath and hope for the best. Hold your breath is a great kind of a little sideline to today's guests, right? Because we're going to be talking about swimming. But, um, you know, I just kind of made that up on the fly, Paul. Uh, I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, how you doing? I hope uh, you're out from underwater and, and, and you're not yeah, holding your breath a, in Houston. Well, you guys have been no, it's just a, killed. It's a bright, better. sunny day. Fortunately, most of those floods that were in Texas were south of us. So we're in a good shape, typical typical day, you know, 90-plus degrees, 90% humidity. That's, that's mm-hmm. Houston weather. Hey, man, that's what it is. We ought to give a shout-out to you at the beginning of the hour today, Paul, to all of our franchise family, friends and family that are, that are bound for Philadelphia right now for springboard. Um, it's going to be the first one I've missed in a long time, I, th- I think, for you too, isn't it? Yeah, this is the um, – actually, I missed one other one, but I had been registered on all of them and had to bail on this one. It really bothered me to do so, but we've got things to do. And so it goes in the very, very busy, busy world of franchising. And even now, as we enter what I love to call every year silly season for travel and events, and between now and Thanksgiving, there's just almost something going on every single week. But it's um, it's something we say grace over, right? We're not complaining. And, yep. um we're all very happy to be part of this great, great thing that you end our program every week saying that. Proud to be a part of this great, great thing we call franchising. And by the way, Paul, speaking of some great things going on in franchising, I caught something uh, that was published by Forbes this week, written by Fiona Simpson, a contributor from the UK, who 
is making note of the ever-growing increase in franchising ownership by females. And this is a trend that's been uh, very healthily expanding year over year for the past decade, but it's really grabbing hold now and being noticed globally. In fact, even here in the U.S. in 2017, uh, year over year uh, compared to the year before, franchise ownership represented by women has has jumped from 20.5% to 27%. And that number grows even more exponentially when you factor in women who are in franchise ownership with their husbands as well. Um, I remember studying those numbers back in the, as late, far back as the 90s and have always seen underrepresentation by women in franchising. And, but I think with that with IFA and other associations around the globe putting such a strong focus on women in franchising, um, that number continues to spike. And I think some of it has to do with women being more prone or less prone to take financial risk, trying to mitigate risk, but not afraid of business ownership and and looking to be, um, you know, women as more strongly communicative than sometimes their male counterparts. Uh, franchising makes sense. It's a great way for everyone to own their business and own their life. But I'm happy to see that the gap is closing on the dispar- disparity between um, male versus female owned franchise businesses. So that was a great piece of news that I that I thought I'd share with the audience here at the beginning of the program today, Paul. Another bit of news that I wanted to share before I get into the birthday list and then off into introducing today's guests, the NLRB's um, decision to postpone, the decision to reject McDonald's proposed settlement to resolve all cases in its joint employment lawsuit uh, is being celebrated by the IFA as we are now kind of going back to the rules as they used to be the IFA, long recognized for its strong representation of, of large franchisors, immediately applauded the NLRB decision for its action and committed to engage its members to support the rulemaking process. Um, Robert Crisante gave this one a, a large round of applause. It's the beginning of a, of a return to normalcy, we hope, and we need to keep an eye on it. It's hardly far from over, but um, it, last Thursday's decision certainly favors uh, those of us that belong to the IFA and are part of this, this franchise world that we all love so dearly, Paul. Absolutely. And then you have uh, the birthday list, right? Yeah, it's, this list just continues to amaze me. I, there, There's so many people in my personal life that I've missed talking to that come to you know, find out when I when I look them up for our weekly birthday shout outs, I come to find sometimes that there are some people I've been long overdue with connecting with. And those this week may include my good friend, Jose Perez, PCMS Consulting, celebrated his birthday on Monday, along with our great friend, Gordon Logan, down in Texas, uh, <laughs> Sport Clip CEO. Um, Dan Rowe from Sliders Restaurant Group in Connecticut. Today, we, uh, we wish happy birthday to Casey uh, Hogan at Checkouts USA. Uh, tomorrow, Nina Green, partner at Genovese Job Love and Batista, also a member of the IFA Supplier Board with yours truly. Friday, a friend of mine I haven't talked to in years, Mindy Gold, used to be with Mr. Oh, well. 360, and she's up in, in Kentucky now, and I'm going to give Mindy a call later today. My former partner at Wing Zone, Adam Scott, celebrates his birthday this Friday, along with our longtime good friend from Young Brands, Scott Hainer. 
On Saturday, Holly Alford, Franchise Consulting Company, um, Kurt Landwehr, VP of Development at Regis and partner at Brand One Franchise Development, also on Saturday and rounding it all out, uh, somebody I've not talked to in a great many uh, months is my good friend Lawrence Watkins, the president and chief operating officer of Boyce Watkins Enterprises. A long list of people, and uh, happy birthday this week to one and all of you. I think we might have to get Badlands Booker to do just a 10-second a happy birthday song that we probably should play every week. Yeah, and, of course, for those that you don't sure. know, yeah, it, those that don't know Badlands Booker, a good friend of, of Stan's, and uh, um, definitely uh, I admire his talent. And he's the one that does our opening and closing uh, jingle every week. Uh, yeah, and, and it also like it to see – him in a uh, in a birthday cake eating contest. Of course, we know he's a competitive eater, so that would be interesting uh, to see. Stan, I'd like to uh, do one more shout out, if I would. Shout out sure. to uh, Ron Feldman, a good friend of both of ours, uh, who is recovering from surgery and has the opportunity to sit in his recliner for I think longer than he would like. Ron, uh, get well soon. Look forward to seeing you soon. And, you know, Stan, when we talk about females in franchising, uh, I think also, and I would love to see the numbers on the continuing increase of female franchise executives, and I think more importantly, female founders. I think there's some phenomenal ones that have been really uh, fantastic at at growing uh, different brands, um, executives like Catherine Monson and, of course, you know, founders Shelly Sun and, um, of course, with Dina Dwyer Owens and a strong female team at the Dwyer Group, and the list goes on and on, and I'm going to end it there because I would be afraid I would leave somebody out. And as well, I'm talking you, you about, almost, you, you, hey, I'm going, to, I'm going to help recover that for you before you do because our, our guests today are, are here because well, Chris and his wife Jenny co-founded the Goldfish Swim School. So let's not forget Jenny. That's what I was going to lead into. (laughs) You know me. Well, I was trying to save you from yourself. (laughs) (laughs) No, and I was going to say, in a matter of fact, uh, Jenny McQuiston, the co-founder of Goldfish Swim School, uh, of course, we have to recognize her. And she was quoted as saying, we started to get into selling a bunch of different items in retail that didn't necessarily relate to our core product of swim lessons. Not only was it not successful, it took time and energy away from focusing on our swim lessons. As with all mistakes, it taught us an important lesson that we carry with us today. It's important to focus on our mission and our expertise and not get distracted by things that take us away from that. And then, of course, was a quote by Jenny McQuiston, the co-founder of Goldfish Swim School. And I think that epitomizes why females are growing in the ranks of franchising, admitting those mistakes, and refocusing we as males tend to take too long to change course. And with that, I'd like to introduce Chris and Andrew McQuiston, CEO and COO, respectively, of Goldfish Swim School. Gentlemen, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you very much for having us on the show. Thanks, guys. We're happy to be here. We appreciate it. We appreciate the time you've taken away from your daily activities to, to be with us. And as we always do on Franchise Today, we talk about how franchising, you know, found us because we never wake up one day and say, you know, I think 
I will go into franchising today. So if you would, gentlemen, you know, take us back to whatever stage you want. You could take us back to Little League if you want. Take us back to whatever stage you want to bring us forward to where we are today and, more importantly, uh, for the sake of the question, you know, how you decided that, you know, franchising was, was right for you. Sure. And just a little, you know, segue, you guys talked about women in franchising and, and my wife being really the true visionary of this company. She's such an amazing visionary and, and delegator that you have us instead of her today. She's very good at uh, putting people in the right seats, and, and so that's why Jenny is not with us, but you have Andrew, myself, and hopefully you guys will see value at this, out of this today. But to give you a little brief history, Jenny being a competitive swimmer growing up, and myself uh, playing football and baseball, we were always around athletics. Uh, Andrew was also a, an athlete, played Division One lacrosse, and we all had that bug of the athletic gene and, and wanting to do something that we felt comfortable with. And really, the swimming idea came from Jenny, who had heard about it previously, but really didn't, um, you know, want to do anything with it until she started teaching post college and, and was very busy with lessons. And you know, this the light bulb went off and said, "Why don't we look into this?" private swim lesson type concept. So we did, and we opened up, uh, and we thought we'd only open up a handful of locations throughout Michigan back in 2006. We opened up in Birmingham, Michigan. And for the next two years, we had plenty of people walk in asking if it was a franchise because of the colors and the uniqueness and the way that we had put the business model together. And it wasn't until two years after we had opened up, we were approached by some friends of Jenny's who she swam with competitively growing up with, and they had asked, hey, we're selling out of a family business. We love this concept. We'd love to do this with you. And so we didn't intend to get into franchising, and that's why you asked franchising really found us because they came to us, and, and we kind of negotiated a little bit on what that partnership would look like. And finally, what Jenny and I settled on was, if guys, if we get legal to franchise, would you be our first franchisee? They accepted, and our next step was to find who the heck is going to work with us? We can't do this by ourselves. We were in the process of starting a family. And so that's my next call was to reach out to Andrew uh, to come back and be a partner with us in the franchise space. So in 2008, we formed the company, created all the operations manuals behind it, and opened our first location in uh, late 2009. Today, we have 73 locations throughout North America, one in, in Toronto. And we're hoping by the end of 2018 to have uh, – just above 80 locations open and operating throughout North America. So, Chris, what was it that you were doing before this vision kind of rolled out in 06 and you started going after this uh, this dream of, of creating this school and, and creating this opportunity? What were you doing prior to then? Sure. I was in finance and sales, working for Division of Lincoln Financial Group, um, working with high-end where I'll call it privately owned businesses working on their estate planning. And Jenny was working at an early childhood development center and teaching swim lessons uh, throughout the summers. And so that environment was just something that didn't suit us well. We get to be more casual and, and, and you know, be in an environment where we're around people a lot versus on the phone cold calling. We're actually talking to them about a service that we believe in and that we have our own children in. And it's, it's just a much more comfortable environment for us to be in. So you had a financial background and you had a background giving advice to others about building wealth. And um, here you found yourself ready to bite the bullet and take your own advice, it sounds like. 
Correct. Yeah, we had never run a business before, so there was a lot of lessons learned in the early years, but it was one of those where I kind of had an understanding of what the expectations might be by talking to these other small business owners and what they've experienced and how they've tried to grow and, and create wealth and um, you know protect their business and their families. And Andrew, at that time, you were in the beverage business? Yeah, so I worked for um, today the, one of the largest uh, privately owned, private labeled water bottling companies out of Southern California. And so I was living in Newport Beach. Life was good, having fun. I was 20, you know, 23 to 25 at the time I was out there. I was out there for two years, and I was in New York on a business trip, and I flew back on a Saturday to meet with Chris and Jenny when they started to go down this path of franchising and then to ask me to come and be part of the business with them. And uh, so we came and met at the school here in Birmingham in the little 10 by 10 office and, you know, tons of kids swimming and all that kind of good stuff. And, you know, obviously being Chris's brother and Jenny's uh, brother-in-law, I was able to listen to the story and see it develop over the past two years and really, really before that when they were investigating how to get into this and, and how to do it the right way. And um, I flew back to California on a Sunday. I showed up to work on Monday morning and then had a discussion and a relevation that I wanted to, you know, move back and move my life from California back to Michigan and be part of that. And I think it was kind of a bombshell to Chris and Jenny, too, because they weren't expecting a, you know, shorter than a 48-hour turnaround time on that decision. But it was really the best decision that I ever made and, um, you know, really moved my life back to Michigan. And we started in Chris's and Jenny's basement of their house trying to figure out how to, you know, start a franchise company. I find it amazing that a young guy living in Southern California was motivated to, to give up the ocean and uh, that California living for a ticket back, a one-way ticket back to Detroit. You really had to be motivated by what you saw. Yeah, I think a lot. I think everybody thought I was crazy. But uh, you know, I think <laughs> when it's when it's a, a family business and the relationship that we have, sometimes all those different things and the belief and trust in in what the brand is and the product is, even at that time, just being one location kind of trumps everything else. All those fears can be mitigated when you have a belief and a drive to, you know, to, to make something really big and exciting happen. So tell us a little bit about the consumer proposition. Um, a lot of people have completely, you know, different sets of thoughts as to a, a swim school. We hear of different brands that are out there. Some are in little tiny spaces, some are in big spaces, some are in public spaces. Tell us a little bit about the consumer proposition of your brand. Yeah, so basically what we've developed is the premier learn-to-swim experience from the initial phone call or the walk through the front door, the facilities where we have private changing rooms and restrooms so you're not going into a locker room type facility where if you're a dad and have a daughter, you might have to bring her in and it might be uncomfortable or send her in and be worried about what she's doing and how long she's in there for. It's really just a comfortable environment for the families, for the kids. They walk in, they have a sense of calmness or peace about them just because it's not that white, sterile tile. It's not big. It's, it's more of their size. We have small class sizes, four to one, 90 degree water for all of the, the kids teaching or being in the water with the teachers. And it's one of those things where we talk about our wow customer service or our golden experience or the extraordinary results. It's the science of swim play that was created around our curriculum to 
help teach these children in an environment where it's more fun, it's, it's safer for them in their minds, but we're also teaching them skills to save their life eventually down the road. So our value proposition is really kids are going to be coming in with the, the advanced curriculum that we have. They're going to be safer and learn faster in the water. It's going to be an environment that suits them. It suits the parents. It allows parents to get in and out easily. And we're currently in development of greater technology to allow our interactions with parents to be more on the fly and more customized to them to allow them to get in, get out, make changes, request information from us much more quickly and succinctly. You know, I said, read in doing some of my um, research for today's show, um, an interesting uh, statement on, on your site, and I actually saw it in a couple of uh, articles, and it talks about the brand being built not just as, as, as a passion for kids or a passion for swimming, but more a special passion for changing and then, of course, even saving lives by teaching kids to swim. Can you expand upon that a bit? Sure. Of course, everything that we do revolves around creating a safer environment both in and outside of the water. So saving lives is ultimately it's our number one reason for why we exist. But what we've also seen is children that come through our program leave our program more confident, happier, and have the ability to carry themselves in a way that we've seen children that come in that won't look you in the eye and they're shy or they're young and by the, by the time that they graduate from that program, they'll look you in the eye, they'll shake your hand, they'll talk to you and they've removed layers of maybe insecurity or a lack of confidence to, uh, to really build both in the pool but also outside at class or with their friends and they've created relationships with people at our facility that uh, will be lasting forever. We have children that will come back, and we've been open long enough in Birmingham where some of our students we've taught have come back and they've become instructors themselves. So we've created careers for them as well if that's something that they have a love and passion for. You know, it's, um, it's interesting, and we, we hear this a lot where, you know, we hear it in the news, or we see it in the news of, of a child drowning in an apartment complex or in a backyard pool or whatever. But then it takes sometimes when a celebrity is affected that it really comes, you know, front and center. Back in June, the Olympic skier Bodie Miller um, lost, their, lost his 19-month-old daughter to, um, to a, a drowning in a pool. So hopefully that, you know, brings more attention to, you know, the fact that even one child, you know, drowning is, is one too many. Um, what were your thoughts when you see something like that on the news, being so close to it and, and, and the things that you're doing and saying, if only if, what were your thoughts when something like that hits the airwaves? Well, of course it's tragic and you, you hate to see that. It's so preventable and it's something that, what it boils down to is not only if you can have the foundation of water safety skills if you were to fall in, but as a parent, things like having your pool, your pool fenced in and having a water watcher where you have a designated individual who has no other responsibility other than standing at the side of the pool looking at that pool, to have those types of things, it locks on your doors and just be aware and be around. It's so preventable and it's a leading cause of death for infants you know, children under the age of four, and in places like te Texas where you're at, 
fall in Arizona, in California, where you have so many backyard pools, it's just the options are so great that this, the chances are so great that this could happen. But with proper swimming techniques for survival or for parents just to be available and watch, it's something that it should be required. And, and it's such a tragic thing, but it's so preventable. And, and I think we are, it's horrified to hear this news. We're thankful that this, you know, the celebrity piece is making this become more of a public thing that should be dealt with and should be looked at. And can we work with the American Academy of Pediatrics to make this a requirement for children as they grow up versus going in to check off little things like, you know, can they walk straight? Can they do this and do that? That's all great and it's required and good. There's obviously data behind it. But what about asking mom and dad, are your, are your children water safe or are they taking swim lessons and making it something for pediatricians to promote to parents that, hey, this is important. This is part of life and this is something that will save your child potentially from drowning in the future. Great, great stuff, Chris. And I have one more question on the consumer side of the business before we go to our half hour break and, and come back and talk about the franchise and, its, and the opportunities that you offer. But on the class side, how does this look for the parent? You may have a parent that's got, you know, three kids ranging in age from toddler or or maybe uh, eight or nine years old up to maybe 13 or 14. Can kids that are across age spans um, come to Goldfish together, or how do the classes look? Absolutely. So in our facilities, we teach a lot of classes every half an hour. And so what you might see in some of our facilities that are larger anywhere from 10 to 14 classes at the same time. And so what we'll do is we'll offer ranges from parent tot, which would be an infant, say, one or two years of age, up to children who are 8, 9, or 10, and they're swimming across the width of the pool multiple times. So we have multiple class offerings every single half an hour throughout the day. However, what typically happens is when you have the older children that are in school, the parents that have the younger children as well will tend to come in the evenings or the weekends so that it's more efficient versus coming to our facility multiple times a week. And then last question on the consumer side. Tell us a little bit about who it is that are teaching these classes and tell us about the qualifications and experience of teachers. Sure. So all of our teachers are going to go through at least a 40-hour training program. They've become Ellis certified, so everybody is familiar, very familiar with the Red Cross, but Ellis is what we promote throughout our brand. It's, it's a private company that trains all of our staff on uh, becoming a shallow water attendant, lifeguarding, uh, what everybody knows it as, first aid, CPR, AED. And so what, what's happening is they, all of our employees are going to go through a pretty serious interview process, background check, and then come into our program to go through our 40-hour curriculum training, sales training, customer service, and HR training before they become live instructors. And so what happens is they'll come in, they'll train with what we call a golden teacher, and then once they pass the training and they have successful training shifts with that golden teacher, they become the actual teacher for a given class and will fit them based on various criteria, whether they're better for younger infants or the older, more advanced classes, which tend to have a lot of competitive swimmers teaching those classes. Now, I know I said that was going to be the last question on the consumer side, but I can't help but ask one more or at least ask you to comment on an observation that I've made, which is that because your schools are being facilitated in facilities that you control, these are your pools, correct? So you're not at the mercy of putting children into pools that are being rented or borrowed from community centers, um, 
and you're in complete control of the experience that's happening poolside. Talk a little bit about that as a competitive difference. Well, one of the reasons that we see value in this and the parents have said the same thing is that in what you read, Paul, early on was we have a dedicated facility to infant child swim lessons. And so whether it's 100 degrees out, 20 degrees out, thunder, lightning, whatever it may be, you come into our environment and it's controlled. It's the same experience every time that you come in. You're going to get the same instructor every time you come in. And so what we've done is we've created an environment for children to be comfortable, right? Some of them need to, to they, they, we need to match their expectations. And if everything's changing or there's different environments and scenarios, kids tend to get thrown off and it doesn't make for a good swim lesson experience. So what we love is that you come in, we've got some light retail and vending, but our almost entire focus is on the experience and the results around learning to swim. That's great. You're listening to Franchise Today. Now in its ninth season of podcasting, I'm Stan Friedman along with co-host Paul Segreto, and we're talking today with the McQuiston brothers, Chris and Andrew, Chris being the CEO and co-founder, and Andrew, the president of Goldfish Swim School. Franchise Today is brought to you by the Franchise Foundry, where Paul and his team have been bringing emerging brands to market for more than 30 years. The Franchise Foundry fosters healthy, sustainable growth for their clients, the kind that comes from experience. The Franchise Foundry provides both coaching and consulting, a hybrid approach. This delivers more effective solutions for both the franchisor's corporate team as well as for their franchisees. The Franchise Foundry team is rich in practical, hands-on experience and expertise with general business management, operational and change management, digital marketing, and of course, franchise recruitment and development. Plus, the Foundry team can assist you with creating roadmaps for potential mergers and acquisitions and provide you with the guidance needed to navigate them. Learn more about Paul Segreto and the Franchise Foundry, along with their expanding list of clients at www.franchisefoundry.com. Franchise Today is Franchi also brought to you by FRM Solutions, offering best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM empowers real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and prospective as well as existing franchisees. This enables you to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all messages to and from prospective and existing franchisees, including text. Legal and compliance is simplified, too, with FRM's document management, and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored with FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including text messages, are being permanently tracked and stored in candidate and franchisee records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences for your prospective franchisees, replacing old-style virtual brochures. No long-term contracts, multiple upgrades each year at no additional cost, no excuses, just solutions on the web at frmsolutions.com. You know, we have a reporter here in the uh, Houston market uh, who does a lot around, you know, home safety, children's safety, family safety, et cetera. And recently he, um, at, at the beginning of the summit, did a segment, uh, a featured segment on how to determine 
you know, if if a child especially is is having trouble in a pool, and it was interesting from a public pool standpoint, they did this view of the camera uh, from the camera, and there was maybe 15 people and 20 people in the pool, and said, can you pick out the child that's having uh, an issue? And, you know, first glance, you know, it was really hard to tell until he actually circled on the screen, and you could see this child that, that obviously was in distress. So when you mention, you know, shallow water attendant, immediately, you know, that, that came to mind because, you know, keeping a watch is really absolutely paramount. But I think more importantly is being able to identify when a child is having um, some issues and certainly uh, early on. It, it, I just I, now would like to do just shift gears a little bit you know, into the uh, the franchise model. And I think Stan did a, a great job about talking about, you know, what separates, you know, your brand from others, giving it a competitive advantage. And I think the fact of obviously, you know, having the pool and that type of environment that is replicated from location to location, you know, certainly is, well, it, it really is at the tenets of, of franchising, being able to replicate it you know, from location to location. Within the franchise model, um, what, dip, what, well, you know what, why don't you just tell us what the, the life of a franchisee is like? You know, let's, let's talk about day one uh, as they get started in the business. You know, what does a day in the life of a franchisee look like? Well, it's, it's, it can be pretty complex, and I think this is for any business. You know, one thing that we talk about with our franchisees early on is, you know, this is not something we've had plenty of people come to us and say, gosh, I'm looking for something for myself to do or my wife to do or kind of bored. And this is not something you just do and you kind of set it up and forget it. This is very involved. You're dealing with, with people and your, your parents, your children, your, your instructors and employees. Is, it's, it's complex and it's something a lot of people are, need to be hands-on with. It's not a business where you set up a bunch of equipment and you can, you know, fry chicken or fry burgers. Not to say that's not difficult, but you're physically having to be in the water to teach these children how to swim and teach your instructors how to teach. And so when franchisees sign on board, what our main goal is, and this happens before too, but it's also setting the expectations for what happens between signing and opening up your business. And a lot of that has to do or has, it gets accomplished at our four-week training. And so we train franchisees for four weeks. The first two weeks, heavy customer service, sales, management, we get them certified to make sure that they have safe facilities. And then they come back for the second two weeks, and it's going to be front desk, customer service, and sales. It's going to be curriculum-based, where they do a lot of the live learning and live training at our facilities here in Michigan. So at our corporate headquarters <clears throat> is where we have all of our, our, our classroom training. We're actually building a pool and a pump room right now where we can do a lot of the training off-site versus doing it at a swim school where we might cause problems or have a, a failure of equipment. We can keep those facilities going. We're doing a lot of that in hands-on here so that when they go back to their own facilities, they've had that experience, and it's not like they're trying it for the first time there. So our business takes a little bit longer. As you can imagine, finding real estate that a landlord may want to put a pool in or be accepting of putting a pool in is not as easy as maybe 2,000 feet, and it could be changed out from one restaurant concept to another. And so it takes some time, and it takes some coaching and, and some uh, talking with the owners about getting into space. 
And then from there, you have a lot of coordination. We're digging a pool, and so you're removing concrete slabs and all the mechanicals that go on behind it. It's a little bit of a process. But our franchisees tend to get open, you know, anywhere, you know, 10 months plus or minus from signing their franchise agreement and opening up their doors. And, and we tend to go into the markets that obviously have a high density of uh, families and children that meet our age criteria, but markets that are, are growing, they have very good schools, they have country clubs, there's just environments where other retail and, and businesses are going and thriving because we want to be a part of those types of markets throughout the country. So franchisees come in and our goal is prior to opening, we, we go out to a fry training, which is a fry is a, a baby goldfish, but we go out and we support our franchisees by helping them train their new hires and then we go out upon opening for at least a week to support our franchisees in the first week of operations, both what we call on the dry side and sales and customer service, as well as on the wet side, which is our teaching and uh, supervising on the pool deck. And I think one thing to, to piggyback on that, which is great, is that you know in franchising, we have every system and process documented at the franchisee's disposal to use to operate the business, and we run them through training here. We help out with real estate, we help out with construction, all the while they're learning all these things during the process and they're very, very involved in that. But the, the one thing that we really work on with our franchisees is getting involved in their local communities from a grassroots perspective and creating that relationship in their communities because as much as franchising has been amazing to us, we want our locations to feel like local mom and pop swim schools because that's what then makes a huge impact in that community. And a lot of our franchisees give back. Um, so there's a there's a big involvement in that community at each one of our locations and at in every level. So I know that you guys have um, you've studied your ideal candidates and and you've got a pretty good grasp on who it is that would make a great franchisee in your concept. And I want you to spend a moment and tell the audience the answer to that question as well as, are any of these franchisees offered multi-unit opportunities or as pillars of the community that have to be involved in the community, do you kind of restrict them to um, a single location? Two-part question, who wants to take it? Sure, I'll take it, this is Chris. <clears throat> but you know what we tend to look for in our franchisees, and a lot of times in franchising you hear, you don't really want entrepreneurs, you want people that are gonna follow a system and you know, or the ace student in class, and they just literally follow the process step by step, and that's very true. But in our type of business, where it's going to be upwards of two million, if not more, depending on if they buy the real estate, is you need somebody with an entrepreneurial mind who's willing to take that risk, but also willing to follow the system and trust that what we've done is right. But as they work the system, they're able to offer up suggestions to improve and do better. And markets that we will enter require different needs. And so we need to make sure that we're open to that and we look at that and review that to make sure that it's consistent with the brand and helps support our local franchisees. So you have to love people. You have to love kids. You have to love being in an environment where you're not in a suit and tie because you're not going to be in a suit and tie. And the ability to Really, you know, it's a, it's a pun, and we use a lot of puns in this business, but get your feet wet, you know, roll your, your sleeves up, get your hands dirty. You're going to be in a pump room. You're going to be in a pool that uh, has chlorine because you're going to have children that there's going to be bathroom accidents. So you got to be okay with that, and your staff has to be okay with that. I know that's kind of the, the dirty side of the business, but that's the reality that we face. It's not it's a retail environment, so our franchisees need to understand that we're going to open our doors at 8.39 in the morning, and we might not close until 9 o'clock at night. We're open evenings and weekends are the majority of the hours that we teach, and so they need to be okay with the fact that the evenings and weekends may be taken up for a period of time before they develop that management team. 
So uh, those are the types of qualifications. Obviously, people that are fairly business savvy and, and are good communicators and, and have a, a service mentality or background are great people for us uh, in our environment and kind of help us grow. So you know, as far as the multi-unit versus single unit, we started slow and, and offered up single units. Multi-unit operators are um, coming into our system. There's going to be a lot of criteria that we look through uh, to find out whether or not they're the right fit for us or not. What's their prior experience? Have they operated multi-units before or not? Or multiple business units? And do they have the financial wherewithal? And do they meet the criteria of successful operations? I will tell you that a lot of the franchisees coming in now will do a single unit in a market that has the opportunity for multiple units. And then sometimes even before they open their first location, they've got the bug and they're excited to, to lock down a territory, which helps us because we would rather have a single franchisee open up multiple stores in a territory versus having four franchisees open up four locations that are all in the same market. So we're open to it. Obviously, there's a lot of criteria that we run through just to make sure they're the right fit for the brand. But... Uh, we love having people that are excited and want to grow with us. So um, initially, um, if a franchisee wants to be kind of a passive investor on this, is this something that you allow or you would frown upon? We will allow passive investors. However, the investor that has the majority stake needs to have a majority stake in the operations and be involved. And so what, what we don't like is when there might be a group of four people that join the or create an entity to be the franchisee and then they're all passive and they don't have any involvement. That will not work in our business. What typically happens is you have somebody who is going to be passionate around operations and wanting to, to, to work at the facility and run it. And then you might have three that will help with money or uh, real estate or construction to, to fill out maybe some deficiencies that an, that operator may have. Sure, sure. You know, looking at your website, it looks like, you know, really somebody can grow. I mean, from a client standpoint, uh, the child can really grow uh, in attending, you know, Goldfish Swim School, you know, from an early age and even having uh, the chance to have parties there. I mean, it's it's quite impressive. What was the philosophy behind that as opposed to just, Swim, uh, focusing on swim instruction. Are you asking just the additional opportunities we have for parents to use the facility? Right, exactly. Yeah, so we have family swim throughout the course of the week, and really the family swim is around allowing parents to come back with their children and practice skills or just have some open time to play in the pool. Again, a controlled environment, warm water, and it's open year-round. So up here in Michigan, <clears throat> when it's Mm -hmm. February and 25 degrees out and snowing, they can come into a, a beach house type facility to come in and swim. So, and it's downtimes. A lot of those times that we offer, kids are going to be at school or it might be nap times, and the demand for swim lessons is not that great. And so we wanted to offer the facility for people to come in and use it. And in addition to birthday parties, that's a great opportunity for us to allow families to have another option for a birthday party early in our our life cycle of growth at a location, eventually those times will go away because it will get filled with swim lesson hours. But we always like to keep an opportunity. We do donations and give, give birthday parties away and uh, allow kids to come in through various memberships that we sell, whether it be a, a full-year membership, they get a free party at our facility. Um, it's just one of those things where we had the space, 
lessons weren't dominant at those hours, and so what can we do to provide a facility for kids year-round? And then this is Andrew, I think, kind of just, again, piggybacking on that is, I, if I understand the question, part of it was, why not just plain white walls, some chairs, and a rectangular pool to teach lessons if that's really what it's all about? And I think our exactly. belief, I think our belief is that it's, you know, the tagline that Chris and Jenny put out there, you know, 13 years ago where the experience is golden is really what we believe they're getting, a golden experience from the moment they walk through the front doors to the time that the kids are in lessons while the parents are sitting back behind the glass wall viewing area and doing whatever they need to do. We call that, you know, a guilt-free half hour for parents because they're, they're still engaged with their kids and watching their progression while they're in lessons, but they're able to do their thing too. Check, you know, their emails or Facebook or whatever they need to do. Um, and then we want that environment and that experience to be something completely different from what we all grew up, you know, experiencing. So the YMCA when I was a kid um, achieved results for me as a swimmer, but it wasn't it wasn't what we're providing today, which is what we get really excited about for our for not just our kids and that are in our lessons, but also the members in general. Sure. So throughout the United States, what is your projected uh, growth? What markets are you looking to develop into? So our projected growth is to have north of 500 locations in North America, so we're including Canada there. We've got a development agreement uh, on the western side of Toronto with a great group. And a lot of our concentration is throughout the Midwest and the East Coast. There's still opportunities out there and really good opportunities. But we're starting to grow more in the south, the mountain region, and the western states. And there's a lot of opportunity there. Again, the densities are good. The incomes are good. There's a lot of uh, California. Obviously, you have the coast, a lot of backyard pools, Arizona, Texas, and those markets, same thing. You fly, fly into any one of those airports in those states, and you, you see so many backyard pools, which is an opportunity for us to provide for a safer environment for, for the children in those markets. Guys, are you offering uh, item 19 FPRs in your FDD? Absolutely. I think every franchisor should. I think that's, the, that's one of the first questions we get is how much money I, can we make? Obviously, yep. we don't answer that question. We direct them to <laughs> item 19. But yeah, at the end of the day, we wanted to have as much transparency as we could to help soften the blow. We are a large investment. Franchisees want to see what the, the opportunity is or can be. And we ask all of our prospective franchisees to reach around you know, and talk to anybody in the system that they want to as well about the experience and do we live up to, to what we say and what we train and teach. And so absolutely, I think it's something that should be a requirement. If you don't have it, they're hiding something. Amen. I think that's true. I think especially in, in high investment profile franchises, typically restaurants, and of course with the amount of investment and construction of a pool and the things that come along with a, an offering like yours, um, when you're asking for the kind of investment that your opportunity commands, I would agree with you that most investors are going to be looking back to you to provide them with some kind of information about what's possible based on what's already been accomplished. And I think your passion, you know, we had a guest on a few weeks ago who every week has been checking in with me to see if he's still the highest energy guest we ever had. That's Josh York, uh, CEO of Gym Guys. Uh, and he's and he's up there for, he is definitely up there for energy, but I think for passion, you guys will rival anybody that we've had on our podcast for having uh, the attitude, the belief, and the commitment to your brand, which is very self-evident in just listening to how you come across on the podcast. Guys, I'm, I'm going to ask you as we come close to running out of time, 
I want to leave time uh, to, for you to be able to tell the audience how to learn more information. But before we get to that, I just want to ask you if there is anything we didn't ask that you wished we did and give you a moment to bring that forward for the audience at this time. Yeah, I think, you know, you guys did a great job of, of leading this conversation and steering us in the right direction. I don't think there's a lot more that we'd want to talk about other than the fact that, you know, as we do expand, you know, we are looking for, for great people to be a part of an organization that uh, believes in values, believes in doing good. We're an industry that, you know, we don't have the volatility necessarily of other industries where, you know, we are something that parents feel is a requirement. And it's, we're not a business that will eventually just be turned into a DVD or sold online or lost to manufacturing overseas. Is we perform our service in the market that, that, that needs it and where the kids and the families are. So there's a lot of sustainability. And when we opened up our business in 06 and started the, you know, the trend into the, the market downturn in the, the 09 uh, era, it was one of those things where we continued to grow. Parents were cutting other things out of their lives, and they saw that swimming and water safety was critical for their family and for their children. So, you know, we just wanted to communicate that, you know, we do feel that this is a sustainable business. It's not easy. It's meant for uh, unique people that are both entrepreneurs but are willing to follow the system and, and want to have fun, work hard, and, you know, see the successes uh, on the faces of all the ki- kids and the parents that come into our, our facilities. That's great. And before we're gone, any places that you're going to be exhibiting, any expos anywhere that potential franchisees or interested parties can meet up with Dan Israel or yourselves to learn more about your opportunities? Well, we don't have any expos or any spaces we're going to be at in the near term. We're going to be at the Franchise Leadership and Development Conference, myself, Andrew, and Dan. You can find us at goldfishfranchise.com if you want to learn more about franchising or if you want to learn more about Bring a little one to swim lessons. We're at goldfishswimschool.com. Awesome. Gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for taking the time and for sharing the success and the vision that you've got for your brand. So many of our audience are made up of franchisors who are trying to follow in the tracks of those like you who have already achieved some terrific things and are willing to spend the time to share it with the rest of us. So, Andrew and Chris, appreciate you taking the time to do this with us today. Paul, any last thoughts? Yes. No, I, I think it's, it, this was, this was very helpful for me, uh, especially, you know, getting some, uh, you know, thoughts in my mind from a sustainable franchising perspective. I think there's a lot of people that can learn from this. Um, I love the fact that it's a, a sustainable business model and, and you know what? I don't see Amazon getting their grubby hands on this business model. <laughs> Well, we talk about that. It's the, it, we hope it's the Amazon-proof business, but don't tell Jeff. He might, he's got a creative mind. Right. Yeah, he does. He does. Gentlemen, thanks right. for being our guest today. We appreciate it. We appreciate you guys and, and thankful to be on the show. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Stan, uh, another, another one for the books. And uh, rocking and rolling, here we are in September. We've got some franchise events coming up. We have the Leadership Development Conference, as uh, you mentioned, and um, just a good time in the fall season in franchising. I know from uh, my standpoint, working with uh, a lot of candidates, it's, um, it's definitely 
um, sustaining throughout the year. The summer was busier than it has been during the summer uh, in the past, and uh, it continues to be as people continue to fall in love with franchising and across all types of demographics. Really great stuff. No doubt, Paul. And uh, I want to just mention that next week we were supposed to have uh, Brian Scudamore as our guest um, CEO of O2E Brands. Most people might not know the O2E part of his life. That's ordinary to excellent. But uh, Brian is the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK and uh, had a rescheduling, and we're going to push him back into, I think, October. So um, we'll keep an eye on our Facebook page to see who our next week's guest is going to be. But I promise you we'll uh, we'll have somebody that's worthy of your time. And we thank you for putting up with some of our technical difficulties over the last few weeks. But as Paul always points out, it's a live podcast. And when you go live, you deal with what you get as you get it. And thankfully this week, uh, we seem to have turned a corner. So looking forward to next week and into the fourth quarter of a very busy year in franchising, Paul, and looking forward to seeing you out on the trail as we are just a few weeks away, as you said, from the leadership and development conference here in Atlanta. My favorite conference of the year and the only one that I can get to without getting on a plane. (laughs) That's true. Well, Stan, until next week, my name is Paul Segreto, wishing you the best, wishing you the very best in this great, great thing called franchising. The franchise today is out, and Badlands will take us home. (laughs) Franchise pros, Stan the man, Paul Segreto. Time to show you the way of franchising today. Hey, do you possess the spirit of an entrepreneur? Wanna lay your business plan down like a rug or a floor? Or maybe you have a dream of opening a chain of delis? Or whatever the passion lights that pilot life under your belly? Or do you want to start a business, fam, using the proven trademark from another brand? Huh. And grow together and expand like a rage of fire. From a single to a multi-unit empire. Well, pay attention to this podcast that you hear and streaming in HD. So fine tune both of your ears. And Stan and Paul lays down the law. Whether you want to be a franchisee or a franchisor. It's all about sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Proving concepts to start enterprises. So use your left and right side of your brain and absorb this knowledge here of franchising today. Franchising today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today. Franchise today. Franchise today.